was the J-Cut, and this is the K-Cut. I'm Rachel. I write for Films Fatale. I'm a massive film fan with specializations in international cinema, lost movies, silent films, and classic Hollywood. James here. I'm a content creator. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul. I'm one half of the Product to Say podcast, and my expertise on this show is no-budget cinema. My name is Andreas. I am the creator and one of the writers over at Films Fatale. I love uh, art house cinema, international cinema, and a little bit of everything in between. And for uh, this week's topic on the K-Cut, I was thinking, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm interested in everything, uh, every which way and in between. Uh, but that includes time as well. So uh, like a lot of cinephiles, we typically hop backwards because, you know, you can't really hop ahead outside of anticipation what's going to come out next. And c- current is usually what's out in theaters this this weekend or what's just released on streaming you get to watch it but then it's a thing of the past right away so we're always looking backwards with that in mind we have over a hundred years if you really think about it um to look backwards at the start of the invention of cinema but additionally a lot of studios whether it's uh walt disney or warner brothers are trending 100 this year so again film is such a historical medium at this point so it got me thinking like um, and maybe in the future we could tackle filmmakers or screenwriters, especially uh, you know in support of the uh, the guild that's on strike right now. But um, uh, this week I was thinking more in terms of you know the quote unquote movie star because that's something that was huge back in the day. You know the first quote unquote celebrities are famous faces that you saw like Charlie Chaplin and the like, and there are so many famous faces that people can pinpoint now, and especially with 100 years of this sort of stuff. So it got me thinking, what are some contemporary stars? They don't necessarily have to be mega stars, just any actor or actress. Um, what are some contemporary actors who would actually do really well back in, you know, let's say the classic era? So I'll make the classic era from the silence, Right until 1979, let's say. And additionally, for the second part of the episode, let's stick ahead. Which classic stars would actually fit in nicely now? Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, Personally, I would not have said this until um, Tick, Tick, Boom, which came out a few years ago. But that was for the first time, that was when I really noticed Andrew Garfield, Of course, I'd seen films of his. I knew he was a good actor, um, and he'd certainly been around for a long time. But just the sheer elegance and artistry he brought to that role really made me think, this is not just a really talented guy. This is a person with some serious class to his acting in a very old-fashioned way. And it doesn't come across in every role, depending on what he's playing. But I really think he would have fit in well in the 30s, kind of in a similar niche to what Cary Grant occupied, but in a sort of artsier, less formal way. I think he could have been like the um, against the grain guy of that era, but yet still having a lot of that gentility. That gets my mind kind of curious about this. I bet you he would have a transatlantic accent, like back in the day. He like fully like he could a certainly Grant. do one. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's so talented. I'm sure he would. But like back then, when that was kind of just what was happening, um, and a lot of uh, classically trained thespians were again being geared towards having such an accent to appeal to both markets. Yeah, that would be unreal. But if he's not even doing that sort of stuff, I could also imagine him in like a Fred Astaire sort of way, like yeah. a music man. 
or even Christopher Plummer, if we go a little later, like I could also see him because he has this sort of artsy style to him. He could have taken off in the fifties when it was sort of turning into, um, we had different standards of what classy behavior was in the fifties. Uh, it was shifting towards the Brandos, the Deans. And I think he could have found a niche there too, but I'm sticking with the thirties for now because he just really reminded me of Cary Grant in that one movie. <laughs> but it's also weird because I'm not comparing in terms of quality because uh, the person I'm about to bring up is like in my top 10 ever. And you know, a lot of people think he is the greatest. Um, He's got Lawrence Olivier's kind of face if you really think about it. So yeah, he I I only just noticed that now. Like if you really like squint a little bit, it's like, yeah, maybe he kind of looks like the contemporary Lawrence Olivier in terms of his face alone. But like maybe he would fit in all of the Shakespearean or period piece related stuff. I can imagine Andrew Garfield in like the night like the nineteen thirties or forties Wuthering Heights, for instance. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he could probably tear up some Shakespeare pretty well. So, yeah, what I'm getting from this is just no matter what the era, we all need Andrew Garfield. I mean, w- once he landed, I think we realized it's like, let's put this kind of everything, big budget stuff, superhero stuff, indie stuff, musicals. It doesn't matter. We need Andrew Garfield. Uh, James, what about you? Are you on the Andrew Garfield train or do you have uh, somebody else that you're thinking of? I mean, I agree about Andrew Garfield because... Yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, that performance, he should have won that Oscar. I know, I'm still mad. (laughs) But I decided to go with, for my pick to transport back in time, John Hamm. Oh, that is excellent. That is. I thought of that. Oh, my God. I I would say I'd throw him right in the, I'd say late 50s to the mid and and 60s where kind of classic Hollywood was kind of tailing off. I just think John Hamm was kind of born in the wrong era because it seems like he's such a good actor, but it seems like no one knows what to do with him. I was not a madman. He hasn't had the career he should have, to be sure. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think considering, and I, and I think, you know, despite the critical acclaim he got for Mad Men, I think that's kind of what sealed his fate because it's like they try with him and he does really good in what they give him, but it seems like he would have a better place back then because I think the playing the types of roles he had in Mad Men or kind of adjacent would work as a consistent career. And you know, he often gets cast as military or police characters. And those tend to be institutions that are a little more old fashioned, that are conservative and and kind of have elements from an earlier time. So I wonder if they're picking up that vibe from him too, when they're casting. Either that, or he's being treated like a traditionally, like classically handsome sort of actor, where he's like in *Bridesmaids*, for instance, like, like, like an idiotic, typical male sort of character, where it's like he's good looking but kind of dumb, and like that—that's kind of been his shit quite a bit as well. Or the Doctor on *30 Rock*. That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think it's like. You know, I think he would just be perfect for that era because I think you can even give him some darker stuff, like throw like, you know, something noirish towards his way. Or it's like even like I think he could do well in Hitchcock as well. Yeah. You know, I just think it's like I think it's just unfortunate because it's like he's got the look and he's got the talent. But it's like that kind of hindered him because I remember him saying in like in uh, a clip of an interview that because because of his classic look, he looked older, so he was trying out for like all the shows that all the younger people were doing, but he was auditioning to be the dad, despite being in his 20s. My dad calls that Robert Redford syndrome. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Speaking of Robert Redford, um, John Hamm, like, to your point, really does have like a 
maybe in a more contemporary sense, but like a Paul Newman thing going on. But the difference is Paul Newman was taken a lot more seriously. Uh, again, I kind of have to agree, unfortunately, where after Mad Men, I kind of wish he was doing bigger, better things that are really, you know, taking him seriously as a thespian. And he's got so much range that he just doesn't get to use very much. I don't understand why they don't give him the more charming characters. Yeah, because he sure pulled that off. Like he's, you're right. He's always put in like some sort of like position of authority. It's like he's, it's like almost like they cast him to be the not likable characters in all these things. And it's weird because I've, uh, I don't like the like name drop or whatever, but I feel like in this instance, because I can actually say that I've witnessed this, I've actually seen John Hammett Tiff. And let me tell you, he's one of the most naturally hilarious celebrities I've ever come across. He can absolutely be the charming guy. Anyway, that those are that's my two cents. Uh, Hollywood should take notes, but at the same time, they're all striking, so they probably won't. Uh, l- listen in a few months' time, and then maybe take some notes. <laughs> maybe we can get Andrew Garfield and John Hamm to be in a movie together, Ooh. and it'll take place in olden days. Just as long as it's not like a remake, like you know how they like readapted Rebecca, for instance. Like, as, if it's like an original, but in the style of like a Hitchcock or a Screwball. Oh my god, that would that would be killer. Ooh, imagine him in Vertigo. Yes. Which they um, are remaking with uh, Robert Downey Jr., but imagine it with John Hamm, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, this hypothetical movie we're building, do you think your actor would fit into an Andreas? Actually, if we're talking about Vertigo, absolutely 10,000%. Um, instead of Kim Novak... Um, so this wasn't the the actor I was thinking of when... I was first coming up with this idea, but it was just something that kind of just sat with me for a couple of days. And I said, I have to go with her. Um, Somebody who is an Academy Award winner, um, but also known for being very neutral without being boring or underacting. I thought that Patricia Arquette would be fantastic back in like the 50s and 60s. Uh, Maybe not like the 70s, but like, okay, let's start with, let's say, the 40s when um, films were starting to kind of look a little bit better and they weren't relying so much on just the the dialogue and everything. So like I'm thinking like a film by the Archers, like, you know, Black Narcissus, for instance, or um, there are so many things in the golden age of Hollywood, particularly the Technicolor era, where I could, I could see, see you sliding into All About Eve in a minute. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't even thinking about that, but that's, uh, you know, if we're sticking with black and white pictures, yeah, that would be an excellent example. I could just see Patricia Arquette being like a Betty Davis or a, um, Ingrid Bergman or, oh my God, there's like so many different instances of Catherine Hepburn, maybe not of the same caliber, but certainly this cut from the same cloth. Well, I don't want to wish uh, working with Hitchcock on anyone, but she would be a terrific Hitchcock blonde. Yeah, or if she went past kind of the window I just gave, or like I said, uh, before the 70s, right? So like if we plan her in the 60s, she would have been sensational in The Birds. That's very true. Yeah, because, you know, she's done the cult thing when it comes to, like, Lost Highway and some, like, edgier films like True Romance, but she's also just flat out really good at not acting. I don't know how to explain it. If you've ever taken acting classes or some uh, classic phrases where it's like, the first way to act is to not act. You know, this idea of being as opposed to putting on airs and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of her her niche. And she, 
that's how they operated back in the day. You don't see it too often anymore. And now you've made me want to go watch Boyhood again. <laughs> uh, not to, you know, make things sour before we hop into the next segment, but um, uh, Boyhood, if Boyhood was made when Boyhood was released, like let's say the sequel would be coming out in, in uh, three years. The no, I, I refuse to accept this. <laughs> it's 12 years, right? So, yeah, sorry. Um, Did you guys hear, by the way, quick detour before we go in, uh, Judd Apatow just posted a picture today that the baby from Knocked Up would be 17 now, if that story was real. Aww. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. And Seth Rogen had a very sad comment about it. Oh, God. Well, you know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to go back in time. And I think that's actually uh, what we're going to do. We're going to go back in time and rescue some classic stars and bring them to the present once we feel comfortable with coming back. So, you know, we discussed contemporary actors who would fit nicely in the classic era. What about some classic stars that we could bring back at the same time? Who would fit well in today's acting world? So, like, you know, I brought up a lot of people with Betty Davis really do well nowadays i don't know let's see what our co-hosts think rachel who are you bringing back so i i found this question a bit tough to figure out but then i was thinking back on some of the films we'd seen before and some of the chances actors got to expand their range because sometimes you were rather limited in what you did in classic hollywood and the person i settled on was rock hudson because I think the first thing you're going to think of when you think of him is romantic comedies, usually with Doris Day. And he just didn't get a lot of chances to get outside of that mold. And it was probably pretty boring after a while. But as uh, regular viewers or listeners will know, we covered one of his films, Seconds, which is bonkers for um, cinematic smorgasbord. I think we called it a Lost Twilight Zone episode, essentially. It's very weird. It's all over the place. It's um, kind of taboo for its time. And Rock Hudson is splendid. He's playing totally against type. He gets to do something new. It's a genuinely excellent performance. And I think if he lived today, um, he would be able to experience that full range and he could get cast in other things. Or maybe he'd just get stuck like John Hamm. I don't know. But yeah. And also, I think I need to also acknowledge that he would live as a gay man in a friendlier world too. But I think mostly I'm thinking about his film range as well. I'm happy you brought up that final anecdote because that was going to be the point that I was going to make. I felt like that ate him alive as a human being, as a performer. The fact that he couldn't like live as himself and he was being pressured into being this um, this uh, objectified masculine symbol for like you know uh, macho men or like for for women to fawn, fawn over. He really was like. Uh, objectified by the studio and at the same time i fully agree with i feel like him just working really well today as well i feel like maybe he would i mean i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings maybe he would do really well in like a marvel or like an action sort of something or other like he could really branch out nowadays yeah and then he'd cross over to an a24 and go film a weird scandinavian movie or something yeah, that's the way I see it as well. I see him as versatile. I see him as doing all of the above. Like, I don't know, like maybe like a Sterling K. Brown who's in Waves, but he's also a Black Panther. You know, like he's somebody, in everything. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, to be fair, he's not doing the heavy lifting action wise at Black Panther. But like, regardless, I feel like Rock Hudson would just 
fit as like this. He would be okay, not to step in any toes again. He would be a much more interesting Chris Pratt. How's that? <laughs> yeah, but could he sing Five Thousand Candles in the Wind? I don't think so. I mean, you never know. <laughs> um, James, what about you? Who are you uh, bringing back from the past? Yeah, I had a difficult time with this one also because it's like I'm not as well versed as in, in the going as far back as you two are. But uh, I was trying to think because I didn't necessarily it, it wasn't necessarily for my pick. It wasn't like the roles that are around today. It was more so this person I think would just fit with the current state of things I'd bring back if I could resurrect people because this person passed way too young, James Dean. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would, he would work in a modern era because I think for his time, despite having such a very short career and such a short life, he was a very modern young star for the time. And there was just something about him that really just, he was almost just like, he almost was kind of like, adjacent to everyone else as far as his contemporaries and even just like the bigger stars around his time. And I think he would fit in very well with the star young stars we have now, if he was the AG was what he passed around now. Like you think about it, it's like you could see him standing next to people like Timothy Chalamet and Anya Taylor joy. And just a lot of these younger stars, they're just a lot of the younger actors are built different. If you kind of, I don't know if that's just me thinking that, but it's not like the movie stars we've seen growing up. And I think he kind of represented some refreshness back then that I think he would would easily translate to now. And it just seems like you could probably cast him in anything. One thing I wonder about is he influenced so many people with his brief career of three films in a couple of years. And he's influenced everybody from Tommy Wiseau to James Franco, who seems to be doing his best to try to channel his spirit. And... I wonder, would Hollywood be the same now if he had never had that brief career? Like, would the image of the young man, that kind of thing? I don't know. That's tough. I feel like, let's let's assume he doesn't prematurely pass at all. Like, like he reaches his old age. That's tough because I feel like, how do people view, like, Elizabeth Taylor, for instance? Are they necessarily, now that she's passed, I don't feel like they're viewing you know, how she was, you know, in her final years are still thinking of the young Elizabeth Taylor or like Anne Bancroft are thinking of her in the sixties or seventies. They're not really remembering her when she passed, but like when they're alive, I feel like it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it's, that's tough though. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm going too far into like what if territory, but it was an interesting thought. Honestly, I think he would, I think he'd be one of those people that would kind of be able to ride the wave like until the end. I think he would probably have a progression similar to Nicolas Cage, but without just being this really obscure person that's, you know, you either love or hate. I think he'd be able to just constantly knock it out regardless of what area he's in. Because we're, we're, we always see some sort of resurgence of Nicolas Cage. Yes. All the time. It, it, it just, he sort of disappears or does weird stuff no one likes. And then just out of nowhere, boom, stuff that everybody loves or just like, I think he would just be able to be this timeless person. Cause yeah, you're right. It's like the short career influenced so many people so far into the future. It's like, imagine what he would have been able to do. Also just imagine him in the different eras that like. Yeah. I could see him in the brat pack in a minute. Hmm. Oh yeah. Or, or like imagine him in new Hollywood. Oh my God. James Dean and new, or like, 
uh, 20 years later, getting his career comeback in a Tarantino movie as like, you know, like the, uh, like an older character, like, Oh my God. Yeah. I, I can foresee that for sure. Yeah. It's, it's leading me down so many interesting paths, but it's such a great pick as well, because, um, you know, you said, Oh, well, we're going down what if territory, but he is arguably the biggest, what if in, in movie history, like what if he did more than those three movies? You know, he's still on these all these lists, like AFI's top actors of all time. And, you know, he's he's there. But as you alluded to, the legacy changes when a person dies young, too. And we can't ignore that. That That's also true. But I feel like because he wasn't only uh, nominated posthumously, he was also Twice. nominated. Yeah, exactly. So um, I feel like he was still celebrated when he was alive. And that's why it hurt so much when he passed. It's not like a char- Oh my goodness, what's her name from uh, Triangle of Sadness? Like, that's like somebody we lost way too young. Um, oh, I can't remember her name, but I know who you're talking about. Charles Charl B. Uh, Charles B. Dean. Dean. Yeah, there we go. Charles B. Dean. Thank you, I'm Rachel. I'm so sorry. We should have done better than that. I feel awful now. The problem is when the Oscar season finishes, ladies and gentlemen, we basically just flush all the information out of our heads and we move on to the next thing. So, um, she also doesn't have a common name, so yeah, yeah. you know it's unfortunate. So uh, we could play "What If" uh, all day, but I think that's a great selection with James Dean. Um, I went really, really old back into like the silent era, and there's somebody who, when Heath Ledger, speaking of people who passed uh, prematurely, unfortunately, uh, when Heath Ledger was doing The Dark Knight. You know, he had a few influences that he wore on his sleeves. That includes Tom Waits for the accents and uh, so many other stars when it comes to the actual performance. But there was one that he drew a lot of comparisons to. That's Lon Chaney from way back in the day. And I'm not bringing bringing him up for like Dark Knight related purposes or anything of that nature. But in case, uh, in case you at home don't know who uh, Lon Chaney is, he was considered like the OG chameleon actor, known as like I believe the Man with a Thousand Faces. Yes, yes. Um, this guy would wear any mask they would give him, did any role, whether it's like a serious uh, everyday person or like a monster or a villain or a gangster with scars all over his face. Uh, this guy was the guy back in the early days, and he's worked with a lot of big names, um, like Todd Browning, for instance. So um, I would like to think that nowadays, if he's not going to be doing like what Doug Jones is doing, he's known as like the man with a thousand faces today. Um, I would like to see him pull off the method thing nowadays. And I don't mean in an idiotic sense, like Jared Leto, I mean like a more serious sense, like what, I don't know, like De Niro was doing um, or Daniel day Lewis, maybe not as extreme, of course, like inhabiting the role and just being so dynamic in a contemporary setting. Like what would this guy sound like? Not just with sound, but with high def 4k, you know, sort of um, capture. What would his face read like? That's what I want to know. I feel. I think he would crush it. And how long would it take for Hollywood to stick lots of green stickers on his face and put him behind a monster digitally put on? 
Oh, it's not even a question about how quickly. Like that, they would be like, "You cannot exit the audition room until you put these on. You're not He'd getting be your Andy Circus. He, he's basically Andy Circus. Hey, there you go. That is an excellent. Um, that's even better than anything else that I came up with. Andy Circus, absolutely. Like, uh, but the other thing is, we don't know necessarily how good he is with his voice. But I assume if it's anything like he is with his face. Um, I mean, I can only assume that he would be brilliant. Yeah. But, you know, all we can do is just uh, think hypothetical thoughts. And um, while we're doing that, we invite you to do the same. So uh, which stars from nowadays do you think would really do quite well back in the classic era? Alternatively, which classic stars do you think would, you know, make a killing nowadays? Let us know. And where can people let us know, Rachel? We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the K-Cut, and we uh, do our cinematic smorgasbord every month. Collectively, this month, we are watching The Man Who Sleeps, and then our individual picks are The Birdcage, Seven Samurai, and Metropolis, but not the one from 1927, the anime from 2001. Brilliant. Uh, Additionally, I think now is the time that we start uh, giving some weekly random recommendations. So, um, I don't know, like... What do we feel like our listeners should be checking out this week? I'm going to go a little bit weird, and I'm going to recommend an internet short. You'll find it floating around by Googling it. And it's because today is May the 4th as we're recording. It won't be as you're listening. But in the words of Lucille Bluth, here's $10. Go see a Star War. Go see George Lucas in Love, the short film. Uh, It is not a cinematically released movie, but I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit if you're a film fan. I've actually seen it, and it's uh, it's quite beautiful, actually. Yeah. I, f- I forget what the filmmaker did afterwards. I think he did a lot of, like, rom-coms, if I'm not mistaken, or comedies. I'm not entirely sure, but that was the best thing he ever did was that short. I remember it just being beautiful. James, what about you? You know, I'm going to pick something a little weird. Uh, I'm going to go with the 2013 film Only Lovers Left Alive by the master of deadpan Jim Jarmusch which stars Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Two actors I think you could probably put in any era and they would work, especially I, Tilda. I want to see Silent Tilda, man. Oh, what a oh, that thought. Would be amazing. Oh my God. Guy Madden, get on it. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, quick synopsis. It's, a, it's a, a, a romantic horror film about two vampires who are just kind of, I don't just vibing through their lives. And that's like the whole movie. Sounds very Jarmish. I love it, though, because it's the only film that really takes advantage of the idea that vampires live forever. So what would they look like in hundreds of years' time? Well, they're just very interested in uh, hundreds of years of wisdom and experience and practicing every instrument under the sun and knowing every language. That's so much more interesting than what we get from so many different projects. So I think it's a great pick. Going to high school and dating the girl with no personality. Well, I mean, if you're that bored, you know, hundreds of years into your life, why not, right? Um, I'm going to stick to the May the 4th uh, theme. I'm not going to go Star Wars, though. I'm going to go with the film that basically was Star Wars before Star Wars even existed. That's uh, Kira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, which uh, if you don't know what that is and you like Star Wars, it's basically like literally the foundation of Star Wars. Um, instead of lightsabers, you have uh, samurai swords. 
instead of C-3PO and R2-D2, you have other forms of comedic relief. You also have a princess who's not named Leia, but it might as well be. And he doesn't hide that influence either. He's very vocal about that that film is, takes the framework from that movie. Yeah, and that's partially what um, uh, George Lucas and Love is, is about as well. It's like kind of a like a loving tribute to the fact that Star Wars is made basically by a guy who just loved films and wanted to make a film. And he's always worn his influences on his sleeve. So it's not a dig in any sense. But like, if you like Star Wars, um, The Hidden Fortress is a must. Alrighty. So otherwise, uh, that was the K-Cut. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. And um, please let us know, again, which stars you would send back to the past and which ones you would bring over here and see how they would fare today. Um, let us know what you think and what you think of our random recommendations and other you know, whatever you want to bring up, we'd love to hear from you. So that was the K-Cut. We are now going into the L-Cut. <laughs>